2: Real news and real stories covering topics from the worlds of science, sports, and space. It's all the information you need to weatherproof your life. And now here's the host of Everything Under the Sun. AccuWeather meteorologist Dean DeVore. Friends, welcome into this episode as it drops here on Wednesday, June 7th. Unprecedented amounts of smoke and haze coming into places like New York City, where it actually looks like some of the skylines and pictures you see in China and India here with extremely bad conditions in air quality and smoke haze. This has been the uh, worst couple of months that I can remember in terms of air quality and air stagnation so early in the season. And this is a growing trend. We're going to talk to an expert who has been tracking this for the last 40 to 50 years, the numbers of days in a particular area that has more episodes of air stagnation and poor air quality. A lot of the country, it's increasing. There are some parts where it's decreasing. We're going to talk about the impacts of that to your health and also what we expect for the coming weeks and months with some of our forecasters and long-range forecasters. An important topic as we suffer through some of these bad air quality and fire danger situations over the next couple of weeks. Sit back and relax and learn something as we talk about everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com. Friends, welcome in as we really delve into what I feel is an important topic, especially with what's been going on. This podcast drops, as we said, here on Wednesday, June 7th. As I'm looking at the New York City skyline, it reminds me of pictures that I see from the big cities in India or China where massive amounts of air pollution clog that uh, atmosphere around them. We're seeing that with this massive amounts of wildfire smoke, which, according to our chief meteorologist, John Porter, is the worst we've seen in over 20 years. And it looks like this is going to be a situation where it'll get better at times, but worsen. But the long-term situation is what I wanted to talk about. And I saw a study about these increasing amounts and lengths of these stagnant air situations. We're going to welcome in Dr. Dr. Rupa Basu. She is the Chief Air and Climate Epidemiologist for the California EPA and the Office of Environmental Health Hazard Assessment. Also want to bring in our friends, uh, Dave Dombeck, our Senior Expert Meteorologist who has seen these situations many times, and our Chief Long Range Forecaster, Paul Pastelok, to talk about the future of this And I think this is an important discussion because I think, honestly, as we look at it, this situation is only just the beginning uh, in terms of this year, and we may be dealing with this more now as we continue to change the climate and look at things. Let's uh, talk about this topic with Dr. Rupa Basu, Dave Dombek, and Paul Passelock joining me on Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Well, as we said in the setup, I think uh, this topic is certainly come to front of mind awareness here, especially so early in the season started in May and now it's extended into June where we have stretches of hot, stagnant air that have been creating problems and then interject to that. Because of the conditions, the wildfire problems that we're already seeing across the entire continent of North America, from Canada all the way down through the United States and Mexico, and the problems that that's adding to it. And so, Dr. Basu, I thought it was extremely important to take a look at the study that I think you published last year looking at data that went back from the uh, 1973 all the way up to 2021 in terms of the numbers of stagnation days in a particular area and their duration and the intensity and there's a lot of parts of the country that over the last several years have seen a remarked increase again in the numbers of these events and Again with the what's going on now across a lot of our country it's top of the mind awareness. So uh, just talk a little bit about that study and 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 some of the highlights of what you found in that.
1: Okay, well thank you so much for having me here today. Um I just wanted to talk a little bit about how stagnant air is created. So first there's a layer of cold air and then there's a layer of warm air and then another layer of cold air. So it's like that warm air is trapped and within that warm air we get all of the air pollutants. And a lot of the air pollutants come from uh cars, other industrial emissions, and, and things like that. Before we would see uh stagnating air mostly during the summers. And now we're seeing that it doesn't, there's really no season involved. It's something that we're seeing more throughout the year. Um, and I will get into some of the health effects and the vulnerable populations later, but I just wanted to kind of make that part clear that this is how it occurs um it's kind of like this air is just trapped um with nowhere to go
2: right we call that meteorologically an inversion so mm-hmm. uh so yeah. as 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 air at the surface if it's warmer than the parcel around it it will rise but it gets to a point where that air is the equal temperature and it cannot rise anymore and so that's what we trap uh, the air to the surface. Um, so now you're right. Um, and we've had uh, the last several days in terms of lots of solar energy coming down. And so that solar energy coming through all of that, hitting the ground, it interacts with the pollutants that are being produced on the ground, creates more ozone. Then we're adding the fine particulate matter from the smoke that's being created by these wildfires. And that's coming in from the top, it just, it's like you're getting hit from all angles, and you're right, it's trapped in there. So um, when we have these long duration stagnation situations, what are some of the effects? I mean, obviously we've seen all these air quality alerts over the last week or so in all these metropolitan areas. Um, and I think, you know, in my mind, we're getting more data and information on just how these things relate to each other. Ozone, fine particular matter, our lungs, So, so talk a little bit about that.
1: Sure. So, ozone is a secondary pollutant, and it's caused from uh, volatile organic compounds such as uh, benzene, formaldehyde. Um, These are also released from uh, vehicle emissions as well as industrial emissions. Um, And then it, of course, needs heat, and then uh, nitrogen oxides that also come from the same sources. And it's important to say that because. We have the fine particulate matter, but in California, fine particulate matter um, during the winter is actually elevated, but ozone is elevated throughout the country in the summer, in the warmer months. And it requires heat to really um, transmit ozone uh, throughout uh, a region. And so with the hotter temperatures and ozone, we see a lot of effect modification. In the past, stagnant air was related to things like teary eyes, minor respiratory infections, and things like that. But from studies, we're actually finding that ozone has some pretty long-term, short-term, as well as long-term health effects, starting with uh, respiratory effects, um, such as asthma, uh, upper and uh, lower respiratory um, effects, uh, chronic, um, as well as acute effects. And then, as you mentioned, with the fine particulate matter increasing now during the warmer season, um, there's also no real fire season. But because of that, we're seeing some increases now in the winter months as well, even in California. And with that, that really complicates the issue. So uh, apart from the minor health associations that we've seen in the past, we're now finding that ozone and particulate matter also have... Or fine particulate matter also have mental health implications.
2: Mental health.
1: Yes. And that's relatively a new field. Uh, Fine particulate matter also has been associated with adverse birth outcomes, um, as well as there are some uh, reports showing increased mortality as well, Um, lung function, um, so many different things, some uh, cardiovascular uh, outcomes, as well as diabetes. So there's really a long range of health effects um, associated with fine particulate matter as well as ozone.
2: And then the study, the the final portion I want to talk about with you is I think the main thing that I got out of this is the, the places where it's really increased since 1973 when you started looking at the data. And you brought up California, and I'm looking at the map and where it's um, 25, 35, even 45 more days of stagnation compared to what we saw in 1973. I mean, the state of California is just really dark red. Southern parts of Texas, also really dark red. And then I thought it was interesting throughout the Great Lakes in the Northeast, where we at AccuWeather are and a lot of our population in our country, at least a lot of orange 15 to 25 days. But then Eastern Pennsylvania over to New York was a little darker orange. So they're in the 25 to 35 day uh, increase uh, average of the air stagnation. And I think that's a yearly number where the yearly numbers are increased that much. So um, a lot of the country seeing a little bit more, some areas seeing a lot more. The only areas that are really less in that are all across the Intermountain West and in the Plains, uh, uh, just uh, east of the Rockies, and it looks like uh, eastern parts of North Carolina are a little bit less. What is that just from the general climate warming in those four years, or are we looking at other factors, you think, for those number changes?
1: Well, it's not surprising that we see these areas most impacted. It's because of what I was talking about before, the fine particulate matter and ozone are already elevated in these areas. And the sources that are creating this elevation are the industrial as well as the vehicle uh, emissions. Those sources are still there. um, And because it's so densely populated in those areas, that is creating this pollution that's already there, but now that pollution is trapped. And that's the key here, that pollution is trapped because of what you refer to as thermal inversion or the uh, kind of sandwich layer. Um, There's also a greenhouse uh, gas emission effect. So there's a lot of those things that are occurring, but it's pollution that's already there that's just not moving. And that's important um, to think about because we know that there's short term effects, as I mentioned, but there's also longer term effects and there's cumulative effects. So if there's uh, pollution that is kind of staying around for longer, their health implications could also get worse. Now, with a changing climate, um, we know that from projections, all of these health effects are projected to get worse. And um, we're already seeing this with data that we have because we can go back to the 1970s. That's a, a pretty good uh, 50 year span that we can now kind of look at and see how things have progressed, especially uh, at the turn of the century.
2: We're talking with uh, Dr. Rupa Basu. She is the chief air and climate epidemiologist uh, for the California Office of Environmental Health Hazard Assessment. And we're also on this uh, podcast have one of our most senior forecasters here Dave Dombeck, and also our chief long-range forecaster, Paul Paslock. You know, I wanted to ask Dave uh, here, Dave, we were just talking about this the other day on the floor about, you know, especially with what we've seen early on in this summer season in the Great Lakes and the Northeast with the stagnation, it's been kind of... Eh, Mentally jarring because these are things that we normally have been used to happening later in the season, July, August, into September. And so the early part of the summer is not supposed to be like this. It's supposed to be warming up and we're still supposed to have some fresh air, but we've seen this problem so early, it's kind of mind bending where you walk out in a day and you look at the sky and it looks like it should be July and 90 degrees and humidity levels that are making you sweat just from walking out the door, but it's not. It's gray, hazy, but it's actually comfortable at the surface. And that's been a little bit hard, at least for me mentally, when I try to talk about and forecast the weather and experience it, I guess, Dave.
0: Yeah, no doubt. It, it, it's, it's a very weird situation. Like you said, you look at that sky and Your brain is telling you, oh, it's a hot, humid day because we remember, you know, back in the day, back in the 70s into the early mid 80s. That was pretty very, very typical. Anytime you get a very warm or hot, humid pattern. You would get the haze with it. The, the 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 two would come together. They they would go together, and yeah, it is a very weird feeling. And it's it's just so it, it's always. Let's face it. It's always nice to see the sun, um, regardless, especially if it's been cloudy for so long. But when you have an air mass that feels so comfortable, you have this like competing forces here. It's like, oh, great! It's it's nice and comfortable, and the humidity is low and but you go outside and you look at that sky it's kind of a bummer you know in a way you look at that that hazy sky but you were talking about the inversion and thing the interesting thing about this situation even today for example or, or you know in in the northeast uh you know it, early this week here we're looking at a situation where in the middle of the day in the afternoon there's no inversion there's just the opposite of that we have a very deeply mixed atmosphere all the way up to about six, seven thousand feet. So it's very well mixed. All the particulates are getting mixed out. But what you're seeing is elevated that that smoke and haze is is from the fires that are so far away, you know, in Quebec or and parts of Canada, and it's more of an elevated thing. And so that the 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 pollution part of that is getting mixed out, but it's really affecting the sky, what that looks like. So right. but you're, other times, if you're closer to that, then yes, uh, we had situations in like in in upstate New York and even parts of Pennsylvania where you were actually smelling like little hints. You could smell the smoke.
2: Yeah, the the first uh, wildfires that we got into which were from western Canada that started to bring some of the smoke haze down into the Great Lakes and northeast, you couldn't really smell that. That was way high, but then we had some in Nova Scotia last week that were more closer to the surface, so everybody in New England was smelling it. And then the ones that we're getting now from Quebec are coming down and those are the ones that are are all levels of the atmosphere, high to low and and everything in between. Um I brought in Paul Paslock, our chief long-range forecaster. And one of the things, Paul, I wanted to talk to you was, if I'm in the Great Lakes in the Northeast, as Dr. Basu said, you know, there's short-term, cumulative, long-term effects Are we going to be able to get out of these cumulative and long-term effects at times this summer because of fresher air masses? It looks like, I know in our long range, we've talked about, especially in the Great Lakes and Northeast, some variability in the air masses, at least through the early part of the summer. So at least we do have some chances here in the next few weeks to kind of ease this situation, but there may be a period in these same areas that we go back to this uh, later in this month of June?
3: Well, the thing is, is what we've been talking about is that, yes, we've had this pattern that it hasn't been a hot, humid, hazy, upper-high pattern. We had that for a few days. We've been in this back-and-forth pattern, and we continue to see that back-and-forth pattern, but we're just not getting anything like significant rainfall or anything to kind of wash out the atmosphere in the low to mid-levels. Everything's coming in from up above and pancaking everything with the fires. And I think that that's having a major contribution because we still see and envision over the next, at least next two weeks, more mixing going on in the atmosphere uh, that should, you know, get rid of this stuff, but it seems to always find its way back. And I think this is going to be a constant thing going through the middle uh, part of the summer season right now.
2: Dave or Paul, do you have any questions for Dr. Basu about this study or anything?
3: Yeah, I, I do. Um, I, I have a statistic. I do a lot of research with the wildfire seasons, uh, both west and east. And I know you talked a little bit about, you know, the wildfires and how they can have an effect on uh, the air stagnation. Um, but I had I did find a graphic uh, and some research uh, that uh, ex- talks about the period between 1973 and 2020. The change in fire weather days has been extended in big states with heavy population like California, Arizona, well, not so much heavy population, but in the bigger cities, Arizona and Colorado have almost extended their fire seasons 50 to 150 days. And wow. so fire season is almost like sporadic throughout the season. Because of this increase in fires, is that also have an effect on your studies that you're seeing?
1: Absolutely. So right now with the wildfire smoke, we're really looking at PM two and a half fine particulate matter. And um, the levels of fine particulate matter are like nothing we've ever seen, particularly in densely populated areas, in urban areas. And that's important because before we had seen, we would see fires, but they wouldn't spread so rapidly. Mm-hmm. And um, part of this rapid um, spread is due to drought. And then also the factor of heat at the same time as the wildfire is progressing. And so there's no rain, nothing to kind of um, alleviate the smoke exposure. It's just kind of rapidly spreading and it's affecting um, populations, particularly vulnerable populations already in high-risk communities. Um, But Dean, I wanted to just, uh, if it's okay, a couple of things I wanted to add to the conversation. One is it's really hazy, it doesn't feel uh, hot outside, it's kind of unusual. This has public health implications in that people don't know to take any precautions. They think that, oh, it's a hazy day, I don't need to worry about the heat, I don't need to worry about air pollution. And this is, of course, a huge problem because it's counterintuitive. When you see hazy skies, you think that there's little or no risk and we know that that is not the case so that's one thing i wanted to mention the other yeah, thing yeah
2: i'm going to i'm going to add one thing to that um, sure. it it also i think fools people into not needing sunscreen and i know that from a very big thing the other <laughs> yes. day a uh, friend of mine. We were out playing disc golf, and they did not put sunscreen on. I'm like, "Why aren't you putting sunscreen?" Well, it looks hazy. It's cloudy, and uh, that's still coming through. The trust UVA's me. Sure and then by the end there. of the round, they yes. were a little disappointed that they hadn't taken precautions. So there's a, there's another factor, not just the air quality, but just that aspect too. Go ahead. I'm right, sorry.
1: Right. Those are some of the precautions that are very important. Um, yeah, I think also um, you mentioned that this is happening earlier, so it's may june versus july august and because of that um there's people aren't able to acclimate this happens with heat but also with air pollution that if you're used to experiencing higher levels of heat or air pollution that your body has somehow acclimated to that but when it's early in the season not only are there we call it the loss of susceptibles that there's higher risk populations who are deeply impacted by uh early season heat waves or wildfires, but um, also the fact that they haven't been able to adapt. Um, there's no, uh, again getting back to the public health and the precautions there haven't been there hasn't been a chance to take these precautions yet.
2: Yeah, when we were, I always say this, when I was a kid, we used to ease into summer, right? And then get summer, and then we'd ease back down and get into winter, and then we'd ease. But now it's just flip, 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 back and forth. You know, I had to correct somebody. Uh, Just recently, we got to 90 again in New York City, the first 90 of the year. uh, Did you forget about those two 90 days in April when we had that fake summer for a couple? So, yeah, this is this is our new reality in this. And I think it's important to uh, I think it's exciting to me in some ways. It's kind of scary in some ways, because now the weather and all this is coming together to create more implications for people and their health. But I think it's also exciting that we're figuring this out so fast right and then we know this and we can see this with the data and we're and we're, and we're able to let people know this stuff uh as we see cuz i only imagine uh, that this line, uh, when you look at the overall line in terms of the number of stagnation days is going to continue to steadily go up. I don't see any reason for it to start to level off or go down. Um, I, I don't see that. Right. Does anybody see that uh, happening here in the next 10, 15, 20 years? Paul's shaking his head. No, As mm-hmm. our chief long range forecaster. I'm sure Dave feels the same way. So, yeah, I think these are all important situations, We've covered a lot and I think those are the things that I wanted to talk about. I'll give it one more round to go if anybody wants to bring up a point or ask a question uh here before we wrap it up.
0: Yeah, Dr. Basu, just one uh, real quick question about um like a 24-hour cycle. Uh, as we know, you know, you go through a 24-hour day and and typically the inversion is is at its peak, it's at its worst situation late at night and early in the morning. And then the sun comes up and it heats the ground up. And, you know, at some point, especially when the sun is strong in May and June, July, that inversion will break sometime later in the morning. And then and then you mix out the pollutants and everything. Have you been seeing any trends in in that 24 hour cycle, the normal 24 hour cycle
1: in in recent years? Yeah, that's a common trend. And it's because of the commuting hours. So we see that spike in the morning and then again in the evening. But. During the daytime, that's when we see the uh, strongest heat effect. And that's also important because that means that there's no real chance for the pollution levels to decrease. It's kind of uh, stagnating, it's staying, it's there. And because of that, the health impacts are, we we usually look at a 24 hour average anyways uh, for health impacts. But um, when you look at that average, it's not decreasing, it's actually increasing. And that's the reason why there's no relief.
0: Interesting, thank you. Folks
2: are gonna really be think, have to think about this. And thankfully, folks like Dr. Basu and government and AccuWeather, we've taken this very seriously in how we talk about air quality and how we put it in now our general forecasts and those kinds of things. And that's gonna be critical for people going forward here in the next several years. Thank to all of you, Dr. Basu, Dave Dombeck, Paul Pasolak, great conversation about stagnation, heat, and polluted air. That is going to be something we have to keep an eye on here on everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com. I'm really glad I could bring this interview to you all. I think it has a lot of information that you need. And what you need to be doing is continuing to keep checking AccuWeather and our apps on both the Apple and Android side from Google Play and also our AccuWeather website, our AccuWeather network, AccuWeather Now, all of the sources from AccuWeather. We'll keep you up to date on this growing concern about weather and air quality. You know, that's why we've done a really good job at AccuWeather, we think, Early on, we uh, went with uh, Plume Labs and got this uh, air quality information integrated into our website and our digital offerings earlier than some of the other folks in this business. And we are certainly committed to looking at this situation and understanding that the more we see this, and it's potentially now more as we go through the next several years, just because of the way the atmosphere and the climate's working, this is going to continue to be an issue. So... Great information. We've got comments and some information in our notes section, and we'll keep looking at this as we go through the next couple of months because I think it will certainly be something that needs addressed. Uh, Something that uh, certainly got my attention a few weeks ago is I had a pretty bad bug bite on my leg. We think it was a spider, not exactly sure. (laughs) Might have been a tick as well, but it really caused some problems for me. And this is a growing trend. So our friends at PestWorld.org will be by to talk about that. Next week, as we continue to weatherproof your life every way and every day we can, for all of us, all of our hundreds of team members across the world that work so hard to weatherproof your life every day from AccuWeather, AccuWeather AccuWeather.com and our apps and my executive production team, who I couldn't do this without, Andrew Robb and Ken Prell. For all of us, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week on Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to, rate, and review Everything Under the Sun on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And of course, if you have an idea for a future podcast, just email us at accuweather.podcast at accuweather.com.